Hi, and welcome to Let's Get Clinical, tips from the CRA helper. Here is your host, Elizabeth Waddell. Hi, Elizabeth here, and welcome to episode 10, where I will continue to discuss the topic of common audit findings. This week, I'm going to focus on my favorite area. Drum roll, please. Drug accountability. Yay! I think I love it so much, actually, because it involves math. So some of you may not like it as much, but I don't know. This has just always been my favorite topic to teach and also to perform on monitoring visits. So let's jump in. As CRAs, we have a lot of responsibility when it comes to investigational product. Not only are we verifying the study drug supply itself, but per GCPs, we actually are responsible for confirming appropriate storage conditions as well. That IP is supplied only to subjects who are eligible for the study and eligible to receive it and at the protocol specified doses. We also need to confirm that subjects are provided with necessary instruction on the proper use and the handling and the storage conditions that they need to store it at home, as well as the site adequately documenting the proper use, handling, and storage and returning of the IP, as well as is it a controlled environment? Is it secure? All of this needs to be documented and verified by monitors. So CRAs are responsible for monitoring every aspect of the study drug from shipment to the site until return or disposition. It is like one big circle of verification. Now, in my upcoming course, I will be reviewing IP accountability from A to Z, lots of detail, and even math when reviewing how to calculate subject compliance with study drug. In this podcast episode, though, I'm going to be doing an overview of IP accountability and touch on the common audit findings. So to start off, a big audit finding is regarding lack of documentation addressing accountability. Sites are required, like I'd mentioned before, to document all product received, dispensed, and returned or destroyed. This depends on the study, though, as far as the return and destruction portion. Most studies I've been on, the CRAs, are responsible for returning the study drug, and then they would file that documentation and the regulatory binder and the IP accountability section. So then again, that circle of verification, everything is complete. And then we would also take a copy for our files and for that trial master file. So again, it just depends as far as return or destruction of study drug. Everything about it is going to be documented. And remember that CMP that we talk about, that clinical monitoring plan. So it's going to be specific to your study. I'm just kind of going over in general the things that we look for and are responsible for verifying as monitors. So let's take a closer look look at this circle of verification that I talk about. So we want to confirm shipment. On most studies, the shipment and the contents are verified via packing slips or shipment receipts. Not only do we ensure they are filed appropriately in the regulatory binder or that investigator site file, but we are to confirm the contents arrived intact, that all drug is listed on a master drug accountability log. And what about the temp during shipment? Did it remain within range? Is it safe to use? We have to keep this in mind when reviewing the shipment documentation. Okay, so after we verified the shipment, we verified that everything was received intact, nothing was damaged. We have verified the shipment temperatures, if they were within range, if the drug is still safe and effective to use. And we also want to ensure that it's documented. Everything's recorded, documented appropriately. What's next? What about storage? What do we confirm during that? One of the things that we confirm at the beginning at that PSV, pre-study visit or site selection visit, one of the things that we confirm is where 
drug will be stored at the site? And how will they monitor temperature to ensure that it's remained stable? So we need to ensure that it's secure, locked, limited access storage conditions, and also the temperature. How is it monitored to ensure drug stability? And we'll continue to do this at every monitoring visit. We want to ensure that nothing has changed since that PSV and it continues to be stored securely, locked, limited access. And we want to review those temperature logs to ensure that the storage conditions have remained within range. And again, this is so important in order to ensure that drug is stable, safe, and effective for the subjects to use. So we continue to always verify the storage location and conditions of the drug throughout the study. So we'll definitely continue to make sure, like I said, that it's secure, that it's controlled. We'll continue to review those temperature logs to ensure that temperatures remain within range. And most studies now might require a min-max thermometer. That way you're always seeing the minimum temperature and the maximum temperature that was reached. So you can be sure and feel confident that the temperatures have remained within range because sometimes sites are closed on the weekends and no one's there recording temperature. So they can come in on Monday, click the button to find out what that min max temperature was over the weekend. And then once that button's pressed, it'll reset till and record the min max till the next time it's pressed and they come in. So it's a great way to know that drug temperatures have always remained within range and is acceptable, again, safe and effective for the subjects to use. But in addition to this, CRAs actually are also responsible for confirming the actual inventory of the study drug. I love the studies that use IVRS or IWRS. IVRS is the interactive voice response system. IWRS is interactive web response system. And when I started monitoring, I'll definitely show my age, it was IVRS, interactive voice response system. So screening, enrollment, finding out which kit of study drug that a subject was assigned to, things like that was all done via phone by the site. And also we had paper CRF. So this definitely shows how long ago I started. But now IWRS, the interactive web response system is mainly used. And it's great because sites can screen, enroll subjects. They can randomize subjects. They can give the next kit number to resupply to the patient. They can even early term a subject in the system. There's so much you can do and it makes things so much easier in order to manage supply of study drug as well as keeping track of the IP expiration dates. Because remember, we want to ensure subject safety and we want to make sure they're not using any expired drug. So again, I'll go over that in more detail in my course, but it, it definitely is helpful. And I would actually print off reports of all the shipments received at the site. So that way, when I would go look and verify those packing slips or shipment receipts, I would know ahead of time what shipments the site received and all of the packing slips that I should see in their binder. So I would do that as well as I would run reports of all study drug that was dispensed and all study drug that was considered unused or not dispensed yet. It made it easier when I was going to actually verify the inventory to have those reports ahead of time. So it's definitely a helpful tool to have. And as I mentioned in previous episodes, consistency is so important. So we must ensure when it comes to drug accountability that the packing slips, the drug logs, the source documentation, and the dispensing information are all consistent with each other. And one more step, we must count the drug. And this leads to a common audit finding of discrepancies regarding the product returned and also the product actually taken. So as monitors, we not only verify the documentation of the IP returned, but we also verify the actual drug as well, which is why we do the counting to make sure is it consistent, is this is truly what the patient returned. Now, most of my studies involve tablets, 
So therefore, I had to count the tablets returned and then compare that to what was listed on the drug accountability log, what was listed in the source documentation. And then was this also consistent with the compliance, the subject compliance with the study drug that was calculated? And then I would seal this with the tamper evident tape. And the tamper evident tape is so nice because you can make sure that no one has gotten into the drug since you've counted it. And then also it makes it nice because you don't have to worry about recounting it as long as it stays sealed. So it's definitely helpful to have the tamper evident tape. And there may be times that you find there is a miscount. You know, we're all human. Sometimes a coordinator may miscount it by one tablet. And if that happens, then you address this with the site and then confirm that all applicable places where this is documented is updated to reflect what was truly returned by the subject. So there may be subject-specific IP accountability logs, as well as the source documentation, and then where the compliance was calculated, because that'll all have to be updated and consistent with what was actually returned. And there are also many times that the drug accountability logs are found to be incomplete as well. For example, you could be reviewing the packing list or those shipment receipts of all drug that was received at the site. And And you compare that to the drug accountability log. And there's many times you might find a kit left off or a whole entire shipment left off. So you'll want to definitely request that. Usually what I would do is I'd put my little sticky notes or post-it notes, you know, request that this needs to be added, this needs to be added. And then I would also make note of my monitoring clarification log because stickies can fall off. And that's actually one of the questions that was in our RMV monitoring visit report templates. So it would actually be a whole IP section that would ask us if all the IP accountability documentation was up to date. So in this case, when things are left off the logs, I would answer it no, document what the issues were, and then it would be a follow-up action item for the site to address and complete before I come for my next visit. So it's really cool. It made me think of those CRA audit notes from Clint Essentials because they actually have one that says, please add the drug accountability log. And I thought, oh my gosh, how cool is that? Because all those times, rather than having to write it on the postie, if this kit's left off, this shipment's left off, I can just put sticky here, sticky here, sticky here, sticky here. And it all says, please add a drug accountability log already. So then I would just note it in my report that the logs were incomplete and it's a follow-up action item in my trip report. And it's it's good. So I really, I really love those. I'll say it again. I really wish I had those when I was out on the road. Another finding is regarding subject compliance when this is not calculated by the site. And it's very important in order for us to confirm subject safety and also efficacy. If a subject's not compliant with taking their study drug, this can affect the efficacy results as well. So definitely important for subject safety and the efficacy results of the trial. So we always want to ensure that subject compliance is calculated by the site staff when they're supposed to do so. Depending on the study drug as well as the schedule of events and the protocol, that'll determine when this is completed. But for most studies I've been on that involve the tablets, like I mentioned before, it involved tablets and drug accountability was performed at every visit. And that includes assessing subject compliance. So again, I will go into detail during my next course how subject compliance is calculated and what happens if a subject returns too much study drug or if they've returned too little study drug than expected. So we'll discuss what these different scenarios could mean and what a CRA should do when this happens. So more to come on that. Lastly, another finding is a lack of documentation regarding subject education and training. As monitors, we are to confirm in the source what dose and directives the subject was given. 
Is it per protocol? Are there any special storage conditions for the IP that the subject must know? For example, I was on a study where the subjects could not cut, crush, or chew the tablet, so we needed to ensure that the site directed the subjects appropriately, so we needed to see documentation in the source of this, as well if it is to be refrigerated. Was that directive given of how the subjects to store it when they get home? On a previous study where drug was refrigerated, there were actually insulated bags that the subjects were provided to bring the drug to and from the site. And then of course, they were advised that they must refrigerate it when they arrive at home. So you need to make sure that the subjects were educated appropriately on that. And there should be directive when the subjects start study drug. And are they supposed to dose the day of the visit? Sometimes when they're first randomized to drug, they may take their first, depending on the protocol, they may take their first dose of study drug in the clinic, or they may start their first dose of study drug that night. We just want to see that they were directed appropriately. And the same thing for the day of their next study visit. Do they take a dose of study drug that day? So we need to see details of what the subject was provided as far as dosing instructions. And there's also times when a site may be assessing compliance and find out that the study subject was not taking the drug as they should. And the first thing that you would ask the site staff, was the subject re-educated on the dosing instructions and how to take the drug properly. And a lot of times the sites would say, oh yeah, we sure did, but it wasn't documented in the source. So we would need to re-educate the sites that in research, if it wasn't documented, it didn't happen. So we need to remind them that any re-education, any communication with the patient needs to be documented clearly in the source. And then of course, you as a CRA should document any type of re-education that you give the site. And you would want to note the specific specifically in your trip report as well. There is so much involved in drug accountability. And like I've stated before, I will go through what is to be confirmed and reviewed step by step in the drug accountability process in my next course. And this course is actually going to be all things CRA from A to Z consisting of five modules and then multiple lessons and tools within each module. And for those of you out there who are already certified, whether it be an ACRP certified CRA or an ACRP certified CRC, and looking for points in order to maintain that certification, ACRP has confirmed that my training can be counted as 12 contact hours of research towards your ACRP maintenance renewal points. So this is half of the maintenance needed. And I remember doing my training last minute, probably about two years ago, because I need to renew mine this November, but I had specific deliverables that I was trying to meet with work. And then I was like, oh my goodness, I need to hurry up and renew or maintain my certification for ACRP because I do not want to have to go through that certification process again. So I remember, oh gosh, I probably paid like $179 for training in order to get my last seven and a half points. And I was doing this late at night, like last minute. So I know how that is when points are needed. So I was really excited when ACRP approved that. So It could be 12 points, you guys. (laughs) But I hope this information has been helpful. If you like what you hear, hit subscribe and check out my free resources at thecrahelper.com. I actually added a resource that lists acronyms and terms for the beginner CRA. Also, if you get a chance, check out the Clint Essentials website regarding those CRA audit notes that I was talking about earlier in the podcast episode. I would have loved these. Clint Essentials is so awesome and offering my listeners a special 15% discount. You just need to enter the code, the CRA Helper 2020. Thanks again, and I pray that you have a great day, and I look forward to our time together next week. Until next time.